You're listening to the Pastor Moats Podcast. We're in a series called Striving Together, What Teamwork Looks Like in the Local Church, Acts chapter 19, and we won't read all of the verses again this evening, but we will address most of them as we review and then get into some new ground tonight. Acts chapter 19, and Paul had gone into the synagogue there and and preached uh, to uh, help them understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophecies. And of course, he got a mixed reaction and response from his preaching. But uh, some wonderful things happened there in Ephesus, and uh, I think what we see ultimately was that as a result of the Word of God, revival broke out there. And so we'll get into that a little bit more, but we answered this question to begin this particular uh, study, what's the cure for what ails our world today? And what did we say? The Word of God, sure. But Christians, right? Christians, those who are truly born again, right? The key really lies with us. The lost are not going to be revived in the sense that we think of revival. They need to be saved. But it's Christians who need revival and who need to be stirred. And then beyond stirred, we need to be moved to uh, full obedience to the Word of God. So revival, the word means to quicken, to recover, to repair, to restore. And again, it begins with God's people. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people... So we're the key when it comes to this matter of revival, that thy people may rejoice in thee. So how do we experience that today? producing this revival in us and touching those around us. Well, we see a great example of what will get the job done uh, when we study this account in Acts chapter 19 and we see what happened in Ephesus. It was the preaching of the Word of God, wasn't it? And that was our first main point. We said revival occurs when the truth of God is preached. And we saw that in verses 8 through 10. In fact, I will read those there. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly, that is Paul, for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus, And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And so uh, it was the word of God, and that's what Paul was doing. He went into the uh, synagogue there, and he preached the word of God. And we said revival is a renewed obedience to the word of God. That's what revival is in its pure sense, really is. It's that renewed obedience to God's Word. As Paul and Paul as his manner was. Now this is backing up two chapters. 
to Acts chapter 17, and uh, this was dealing with when he went to uh, uh, the Thessalonians there, the Thessalonica, and it says, as his manner was, that means his habit, his custom, he went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. And then we get to verse 8 of chapter 19, and we see the same thing again. And so this was his custom or his habit or his manner in each city was to preach the Word of God. Then we said number two, and this is what we looked at last time, revival occurs when the power of God is present. So when you have the the Word of God, the power of the Word of God, and the power of the Spirit of God, who is the author of the Scripture and the teacher of the Scripture, and you have the, the power of the Spirit of God applying that powerful Word of God to hearts, something special is going to happen. And in fact, it certainly did. Look at verse 11, And God wrought special miracles by the hand, hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out from them. God's power was manifested. And we went, took the time to go through and show you how that God used sign gifts then in order to confirm the message of the apostles. Uh, they did not have the completed canon of the Scripture, but now that we do, those sign gifts have ended, and we talked about that uh, last week. But God's power was manifested And though we don't rely on sign gifts in our day, we do rely on that same power of God, don't we? Uh, We can't get it done. In fact, that's what B was all about. God's power was mimicked, verses 13 through 16. Let me read them quickly here. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, so these were uh, Jews who traveled about from place to place, I think making merchandise off of uh, of this uh, thing that they had going on of, of being exorcists and, and employing different uh, schemes and tricks to, uh, to gain money, I think is what they were uh, doing, saying we can, uh, we can get rid of these evil spirits, so on and so forth. Well, anyway, uh, certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And we pointed out the significance of that last week. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And so here uh, were these seven brothers, seven sons of this man, Sceva, who was a a priest. And uh, again, they went about and trying to basically, uh, in, in their minds, they thought they had found a magic formula for their business. And, and that was to uh, employ the name of Jesus. They saw uh, that, it, that it worked for Paul, uh, why not for them? So they thought they had found the trick to all of this. We'll just, we'll use this 
name of Jesus. The problem was, at least in part, they didn't know the Lord Jesus. And, and uh, this is such, so indicative of religion today to employ the name of the Lord Jesus without having a relationship with Him, without knowing Him. That is what religion does. Well, uh, again, we won't take the time to go back through everything we talked about last week. But not only did that not work, uh, that evil spirit overcame them. And uh, uh, the evil spirit knew there was no power there because they did not know Jesus and they, did, they had no relationship with Him. And so it's a good lesson for us uh, because sometimes if we're not careful, we try to employ our own gimmicks and tactics and our and our own resources and programs and ways and and uh, to to hopefully conjure up revival, if you will, or fruit, and that doesn't work. In Zechariah four six, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, "Not by might nor by power; that is, not by human might." not by human ingenuity and, and human means or human methods or human power, but the antithesis, the exact opposite of that, by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. There is no substitute for the power of the Word of God and the power of the Spirit of God applying the powerful Word of God, there's no magic formulas, and those seven brothers found that out. There's no gimmicks and games and tricks. And so what happened to those seven brothers? They were humiliated when their magic formula didn't work. And again, this is a good lesson for us. We shouldn't be surprised when our own efforts come up short. Now that brings us to new ground. And that is revival occurs when the Word of God prevails. Let's pick it up in verse 17. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Now, boy, there's, there's a hint of revival, right, when you see that. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. They repented. That's a mark of revival. There was true repentance. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. There's probably the best single concise description of what revival looks like, right? So mightily grew the Word of God and prevailed. See, it's a Word of God that's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit that part of us that can know God, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And that word prevailed there, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed, was a word often used to describe the winner in a military contest or, a, or an athletic 
contest. It means to prove to be more powerful than the opposing forces. And there were a lot of opposing forces in Ephesus, right? There was a lot of demonic stuff going on, if you're catching that as we read through this passage. But that word prevail, you see the word of God was more powerful than all of those opposing forces. And it has not changed. It still is for us today as well. Because the word of God prevailed, number one, the Savior was magnified. And we read that in verse 17. And you see it there at the end. It says, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Megaluna is the Greek term, and we get our English word mega, to to make uh, very large, to make great, to extol, uh, to show uh, great, to to cause to increase in the eyes of the beholder. And uh, so that's what was uh, going on. Uh, The Savior was magnified. And boy, that's the... uh, That's an environment for revival, is it not? And of course, that was always Christ's mission. That was his passion. You know that if you you read uh, his writings, his epistles, it was always that Christ would be magnified according to my earnest. I like that word. Again, it shows how passionate he was about this. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. That was his heartbeat, if you will. Um, It's interesting. You can search it out if you want to throughout the New Testament. You're not going to find a sermon that does not center upon the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, what does that tell you about the disciples, the apostles? What does that tell you about them, that fact there? What's it tell you about them? They were focused on spreading the word of God, the gospel message, right? What else? What else does that tell you, Brother Paul? Yes. Exactly. So they weren't looking to build a name for themselves, right? They were not looking to build a ministry or a work or recognition for themselves. They weren't interested in magnifying their names They were interested in magnifying the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's our mission as well. That's the mission of CFBC. That's uh, our mission as individual believers and as a church collectively. Not only that, we see uh, that souls were saved. Again, this is, boy, this is revival. It's what what it looks like. And many, verse 18, that believed came and confessed, and showed their deeds. So this is what happens when the Lord Jesus is magnified. Souls are 
saved. And the Lord Jesus said so. He said so. He said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And that's why when we preach, and again, that's why I pointed that out about the apostles. When we, when we preach or we teach, we're preaching and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the promise is if he's lifted up, that's when men will be drawn unto him. Some examples of this were the souls saved in Samaria. Remember the woman at the well? We covered that not too long ago when she took the gospel to her neighbors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that I ever did. Not only that, souls were saved in Jerusalem not long after the ascension as Peter and the apostles gave the gospel. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. Souls were saved again in Samaria when Philip arrived there after the persecution in Jerusalem. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Again, that's his message. He's preaching Christ. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Souls were saved in Joppa after Tabitha was raised from the dead, Acts 9.42, and it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And uh, what a uh, wonderful time that was as, as uh, the Lord used Peter in such a mighty way there. Then souls were saved in Berea when Paul and Silas preached there. Again, presenting the gospel, presenting the Word of God. That's, that's where we'll see fruit, and that's where we'll see salvation. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks and of men, not a few. So uh, there was a, a wonderful, wonderful harvest of uh, souls there. And so revival always brings a renewed focus on reaching others for Christ. And uh, boy, when, when you and I, when we're experiencing revival, we're going to be burdened for those around us, aren't we? We're going to have a burden for, for souls. We're going to have a burden for our neighbors and just for folks uh, in general that we meet. We're going to be soul conscious, right? We're going to be soul conscious. And then the saved were transformed. This is what happens when the Word of God prevails. When the Word of God prevails, the saved were transformed. Verse 19, many of them which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So again, there was true repentance here. They were new creatures in Christ, not just sort of uh, changing a, a belief system. Oh, well, now we know this, this was a total transformation. They were new creatures in Christ Jesus. And uh, things didn't continue as before, right? When they got saved, their lives changed, and this ought to be true today as well. We welcome people to come as they are, but we're not content for them to leave as they came. 
And that's key that you and I ought to think about because that's really a, a mantra in our day, come as you are. The problem is I think uh, we're content for them to leave as they came, and that should not be. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Uh, I am different now. Something happened to me. Remember that little course? That's a good one that was in uh, our other hymnal. For ye were sometimes darkness. You used to be in darkness. But now are ye light in the Lord. So what are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to walk as children of light. And that walk speaks of daily living, daily life. And so where there's true revival, there's true repentance, they turn toward God and from sin. And that is a true fruit and mark of revival. We see the same pattern in Thessalonica, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turned, that's repentance. That's repentance. You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And so that's what happens when the Word of God prevails in us. Well, then we're going to get rid of anything that's drawing us away from Him. So here's the question. Striving for revival is the name of the lesson. Do we really want revival? Are we satisfied with the status quo? Do we need to reset our priorities? Are there changes that need to take place? Do we need a fresh dose of the fear of God? Will we allow God's Word to prevail in our lives? So mightily grew the Word of God and prevailed. Someone asked evangelist Gypsy Smith, he's still known as probably the most loved evangelist. And uh, sometimes if you ever get a chance, read his testimony. It's incredible. It's incredible how, and they call him uh, Gypsy Smith because he was born in a, in a gypsy tent. <laughs> That's why they refer to him. And uh, it's incredible to read his testimony and see how the Lord saved his dad. And, uh, and boy, how then... Uh, Things started changing, and then he got saved when he was 16 years old and traveled all over the uh, country and world preaching the gospel. The Lord used him in a mighty way. But somebody asked him, um, what, what is the secret of revival? He said, go home, take a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself, and then pray, O Lord, revive everything inside this circle. That is the secret of revival. Thank you, Lord, for our time together this evening. Thank you that we could steal away from all the things going on about in this world. We realize this world is, is in a mess, Lord, and we're so thankful to know the Lord Jesus. Father, we are so thankful to belong to you as the world is 
is reeling and rocking uh, under the throes of sin. We are so thankful that we're standing on the solid rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we are so grateful for the blessed assurance that we have in our hearts tonight. So grateful that we could come together and gather around your sure, powerful, eternal word and study it and have it refresh and have it stir and move us tonight. And I pray, Lord, that we'd act upon it. And Lord, I pray that each of us would experience revival in our own individual hearts, in our homes, in our families, and Lord, within our church. And Lord, in these days, you would use us as never before, and folks could see a difference here and in us and through us. We'd be very grateful for that. I pray that we would not be satisfied with status quo, but I pray, Lord, that uh, we would be stirred and moved uh, to uh, grow in our walk with the Lord Jesus, to grow in the Word of God and, and in obedience and faithfulness in our uh, outreach to others and our ministries. Lord, would, would you use us, we pray. And uh, thank you again that we could meet tonight as brothers and sisters in Christ and, and uh, exhort and encourage and edify and be a blessing to one another. And, and uh, Father, we pray, honor and glorify you and magnify your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray you give us a wonderful time of prayer together tonight, Lord. We'll thank you. If there's ever a time we needed to pray, it's today, Lord. We're in big trouble in this country. We realize that and we know, Lord, you are our only hope. And we look to you tonight and we pray that uh, we could just have a a sweet time together in prayer. We'll thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.